You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show custom built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. WebmasterRadio.fm presents CEO Coach. From funding to finance, set up the staffing. Our CEO coaches break down the art of business development from the ground up. Now here to get you started are the experts of online business startup, management, and development. The founders of Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy. Welcome to CEO Coach. I'm Ann Kennedy, president of Outlines Venture Group and author of Global Search Engine Marketing. I'm here with Jillian Music, my partner at Outlines and co-founder of both Moz and Bread Approved. Together, we are serial entrepreneurs helping online companies launch, grow, pivot, and thrive. You can find out more at outlinesventure.com. Hi, Jillian. Hey, good morning, Ann. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. What's up for today? Well, we've got a very special guest with us today. Carly Price is an investor and an outsourced CFO uh, based in Seattle, Washington. She's got 18 years worth of fiduciary roles on Wall Street, so you can say she's done a lot of deals. Uh, Carly, welcome to CEO Coach. Thank you, ladies. I'm thrilled to be here. Besides surviving nearly two decades on Wall Street, Carly has traveled to Afghanistan, run the Boston Marathon, and skied Corbett's Kular and lived to tell those tales. Carly, I had to look the last one up, and I have oh, to say sure. it, it looks way past intimidating, even yeah, for a good was, skier. Yeah, can, it's it, it's a good analogy for the entrepreneurial experience because you sort of stand on the edge and look into the abyss, and there's only one way to find out what's down there, and that's to go. Oh, that's wow. right. <laughs> you leap and you look for the net to appear. <laughs> exactly. Oof. So, Carly, we asked you onto the show because uh, having been an investor and an advisor to early stage companies, you've just launched a consultancy. It's called Peak Ventures, and that provides a novel service to founders who are in the idea stages of their company development. Uh, it's a super early game. Tell us, what does your company do and why did you settle on that business service? Yeah, so it's actually called Peak Financial Works, and what we do is work with companies that are too small to have a full-time equivalent in the CFO role, but still desire to have the insights that a CFO can provide in the form of financial planning and analysis, business intelligence, all the, the central decision-making that is built around numbers rather than intuition. So to be able to offer that to the broad community 
in sizable chunks. So the clients I work with are all working in different uh, volumes with me. So whether it's two hours a month, whether it's 30 hours a month, it's really up to the needs of the corporation to decide how much help they get. And I work with a whole variety of folks. So that's quite brilliant. Uh, you and I also talked about um, vetting ideas at the very early yes. stage. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So as you know, as an as an angel investor, the most important thing you can do is the is the due diligence piece. Uh, there's been tons of research out of AC and others showing that if you can do 20 to 40 hours of due diligence on a deal, your odds of success as an investor improve. So one of the missing pieces in the due diligence folder is, of course, around the financials. I hear again and again from angels that there's no point in looking at the financials because they're all fantasy. And I, I patently disagree with this. It's so important as an investor to understand how the founder sees the cash mechanics of their company and whether they understand the implications of what they're planning to do with investor money. Mm -hmm. Well, as an investor, I would also say, yeah, they are fantasy, but that's because they're not well done. So the <laughs> reason that they're fantasy is quite a different deal. Good point. Um, yes. Right. So... Um, you know, when you when you first talked to me about uh, kind of literally vetting the idea uh, for the entrepreneur, does this idea make sense yes. or should yes. you throw in the towel now? I, I thought, well, I'm really concerned that people just aren't, you know, just starting out, uh, don't want to hear that their baby is ugly, you know. Right. So how do you get past this objection and literally get hired before there's even revenue to pay you? You know, the question is, while you and I and every investor gets value from your, what you're offering, the entrepreneur entrepreneurs may not feel that they do. So what's sure. this whiffum that you give to entrepreneurs so they actually bite? Sure. So I do work with pre-revenue entrepreneurs. And what that means is that they're still in the market investigation phase. They have a powerful idea. They have a desire to bring this idea to fruition, but they're still sort of putting the structure in place. So they will be spending money on things like a set of legal documents. They'll be spending money on a branding package. And the position I take there is that you ought to spend money on your financial forecasts as well, because they will tell you whether this business is viable or not. Mm -hmm. Actually, I would counsel those who are listening in that, you know, the takeaway you just heard is this is something you should be thinking about. And this cuts the wheat from the chaff far too often. And I think you would agree as well, Carly, and you too. And uh, we see... Uh, you know, companies come to us, entrepreneurs come to us completely unprepared. They have not uh, set aside capital, either of their own or friends and family capital, to go and spend money on these packages. And if they don't, these are the folks who are kind of flying loose and fancy free, as opposed to those who are far more organized and say, no, if I don't get my act in gear and do this professionally, it's not going to happen. <laughs> So, yes, uh, yes. Right. That's the big takeaway. I, I was shocked to learn I was at a, a conference in the fall and at, they ran an incubator. And at, as part of the incubator, they offered 32 hours of pitch deck training. When I asked yeah. how much financial forecast training they provided, they couldn't give me an answer. So we're right. putting the emphasis in those early days on the wrong things. Your pitch deck isn't going to allow your business to thrive, but your financials most certainly will. Yes, I would agree. And that's probably one of the wisest things I've heard in a very long time. Mm. So, um, Anne, uh, you had some uh, questions as well. Well, <clears throat> we got through the value and the uh, of understanding the cash mechanics and the pitch deck, 
than how that was important, but not 32 hours worth. So let's talk a bit about your work as an investor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because recently you took a deep dive into returns investors are seeing at the very early stages. And we were very grateful to hear that, believe me, (laughs) (laughs) because you had some sobering numbers to report. Can you tell us about that? Sure, sure. So as as mentioned at the beginning of the the podcast, I I come from a world the world of public equities, and there is a truckload of data around public equities. We know what the long term rate of return is. We know, of course, all the financials for all the companies that are listed. So I was surprised when I moved into private equity how little data there was. So we don't know what long term rate of returns are, and people are okay with that. We don't know what financials are, and we're okay with that. But this idea that that not having the right kind of data means we cannot look. The data exists. It's just not perfect. How do you mean perfect? So so people will tell you that you can't measure returns in the space because there are so many companies that we don't have complete information on. We have some information. So we'll know that company X was acquired, but we don't know the price at which it was acquired. That doesn't mean that this information is not usable. So are you saying that it is um, that even incomplete or, as you say, imperfect information still has value? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like we're not um, so I feel like we're not looking closely enough at this information because maybe it doesn't tell us the story we want to hear. Okay. <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, so tell us a little more about that story. So what I did is I took the data from Crunchbase, which is one of the most comprehensive, and again, the bar is low, but one of the most comprehensive databases of seed stage financing. So they record when money goes into very early stage companies, and then they follow them along the sort of the capital ladder. So as they continue to raise and as they potentially exit or close, Crunchbase records this data. So I started with that data from 2007 to 17 and saw that, in fact, a lot of those rows were incompletely populated, but that there were enough completely populated rows to inform some reasonable inferences about the data we were missing. Okay. So give us an example. What were the, uh, if you were, where were the holes? You'd say some of the data was missing. Where did you find that data missing? And what did you infer anyway? So I'll give you an example. So there were 1,200 companies that were acquired uh, in this this period. Of those, I believe it was 480 had acquisition price data associated with that deal. The remainder did not. Okay. Okay. So theory A. So we're talking about one third had some kind of data associated. Okay. Pricing data. So now theory A is just throw the entire lot away because there's too few companies. We can't make any inferences. I I reject that that theory outright. You can actually make guesses about the remaining 800 companies based on what you see in the population of 480. Okay, and uh, we're going to need to take a break now for our sponsors, but when we come back, I'd like you to talk to us about what you did infer, because therein lies some extremely valuable information for both entrepreneurs and investors. This is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy, and our guest today, Carly Price. We'll be right back. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. 
Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, so social the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your facebook contest and sweepstakes create a fun easy to win contest by writing a simple facebook post watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction track your traffic and generate email lists with ease so social is mobile friendly and complies with facebook terms of service let so social give your facebook page some flash today zoom over to zosocial.com Catholic Charities is committed to providing life's basic needs. We thank you for bringing us all here today, letting these people understand how Catholic Charities runs and how important these people are. And we ask you to guide them, to protect them, and keep them here forever because this community needs them. Visit www.catholiccharitiesusa.org to learn more. We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to CEO Coach. We're talking today with Carly Price, investor, outsourced CFO, and all-round adventurer. (laughs) (laughs) Carly, before the break, you were just filling us in on how you can use data about angel investments, even if it is only partial data and infer, and you explained how you do that and all of that made perfect sense. Now, what did you find? (laughs) So as you know, you're both angel investors. And as you know, one of the most commonly bandied about numbers in regards to returns in the space is 20%. So uh-huh. Rob Wilbank at Willamette University did a study in 2007 looking back 10 years and he concluded that returns in the space were around 20%. Angels love this. It gives them a, a warm fuzzy feeling. It makes them feel confident about the money they're investing, but it's simply not true. Oh, The numbers I generated using the methodology I explained before the break suggest that returns are actually closer to 5%. Oh, right. Which, given Mm -hmm. what we all know about the risk profile of the asset class, suggests that we're nowhere near being compensated for the risk that we take on as investors. That's right. I've been talking about that a lot lately, Carly, that what we see, especially as angel investors, and perhaps even into the VC space, I'm hearing a lot of grumbling about folks who are in uh, the VC you know, funds here too, that they're not seeing the returns they expect um, because it is not commensurate with the risk of the asset class. So we'll do an entire show about what you can do about that because I think at the first time that you presented this data, um, you and I both agreed, you know, what does the data say? It says don't invest in early stage (laughs) investments. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. And yet we persist. (laughs) Right. And yet we persist, right? (laughs) So I said, well, it's one of two things. Either don't do it 
or let's come up with another way to do it that makes a whole lot more sense for the investor. And that's where we worked on things like the Sibylla Masters Fund, uh, Anne and I, and of course, Al Gabacha and so on. So uh, we're still talking about those things. And, uh, and as I run around town and run around the world explaining it, there are better ways to do it and people are beginning to resonate. But truly, uh, you were a, a tremendous force in the beginning of this fund because you pointed out exactly what was somehow rumbling underneath our returns yes. or not mensurate with the risk of the asset class. So I want to get uh, dig in a little bit to this subject of vetting ideas for early stage uh, company ideas, right? Uh, now, without giving away the farm, perhaps, can you tell our listeners what they should be looking at when they vet their own ideas before they start spending a fortune? Sure, sure. So one of the challenges as an early stage investor, of course, is that you don't have visibility into your market. So you make assumptions. You make assumptions about what it will cost you to acquire a customer. You make assumptions about what it will cost you to produce the product that you sell to that customer. You make assumptions about how long the sales cycle will be. Those are the three critical ones. And it's entirely okay to make those assumptions. But as you move into the market, you have to test them. And the market will begin to tell you what those numbers really are. Mm -hmm. That's the critical piece for early stage founders. You make an assumption, it's not going to be correct. The piece though, the trick is to observe and record as those first data points coming in, whether it's a focus group, whether it's your beta users, to observe and record what they're telling you about those numbers and make the adjustments. Okay, so that would say to me that uh, this famous line now of Mark Schuster's, get the freaking cash register running, has yes. a lot more to do with understanding what scalability will look like than it really has to do with getting in what few dollars you can. Certainly yes. it makes sense to you know get as much capital into your company uh, without raising capital as you can, but it's really about the forecasting. Okay, so what other elements do you provide? Um, I mean, this is kind of think of this as an advertisement for your company. Yes, but yes. what I really want to to share with our listeners is what does a CFO do? And when you outsource them, even for a few hours a month, what do they really see when they do that? Um, so you know, feel free to advertise because that's Absolutely. good for you. I understand, course, but truly, I, and we don't usually do this, right? But it illuminates what the yes. the tremendous need is in those early stages. Yes. So the tools that I provide to founders and the manner in which I work with founders is to give them another language with which to talk about their company. These are all tremendously charismatic people with passion for their product. But to be able to describe and understand your business through a number lens is critical. You can make decisions with intuition, but if you can collect and parse data to inform those decisions, you are much better off. You're going to make better decisions, you're going to be able to make them faster, and you're going to have the accountability around them that many founders lack. So the 10,000 foot view here is that I enable founders and I teach founders and I work with founders to cast their businesses in a true numbers setting. Okay. And I think that's absolutely critical. It certainly it will help people to raise capital as well. Um, absolutely. I think Right. All the things we're talking about is, again, what cuts wheat from the chaff in this uh, startup world. So many people have brilliant ideas, but really can't build a company around it. To have an idea is not to have a startup. And uh, I think that's 
perhaps the most important piece of information we can offer people who are considering putting in a great deal of their money uh, Mm -hmm. and risking it in the hopes that they will build a successful company. Um, So as you move forward, um, you're saying people start with a couple of hours of your service. And when you just have a few hours a month, what would somebody receive? Is it, uh, you know, kind of a a balance sheet? Certainly you're doing nothing to do with bookkeeping. And I want to make sure that our investors, you know, our listeners understand that this has nothing to do with tracking what's going on. So what do you require as input for your work and what do you send back? So, so we'll start with the two-hour-a-month type scenario. Those tend to be the, the pre-revenue founders, and the reason their uh, needs are less intensive is because they are out in the field doing the work. So I will help build for them those first set of forecasts. So what's the income statement, cash flow statement, balance sheet? And then they'll start doing the actual work, the legwork around the assumptions. And that often takes time. So okay. the work there is less time-sensitive, and just as important, but happens largely outside the, the the domain of the financial worksheet. Okay. So you give them the template, if you will, exactly. and they have to start filling it in and getting comfortable with it. All right. Yes. And then you move on to the next stage. At what point does somebody need, if you will, more service? So as a founder moves into market, they're now dealing not only with the forecast, but with the actual numbers that are coming in. And we talked a bit about this as, as it pertained to validation. Yes. And now we're moving into actual having to actually report numbers, whether it's to stakeholders or to the IRS. This is where you involve a bookkeeper, which, as you mentioned, is a completely different different practice. And I love those folks, but it's not the work that I do. And so now you're having not only to digest existing numbers, but to adjust the forecast that you have in real time. Okay. So the, the next changes. Yeah. Right. And so the next level of service with you would be about how many hours a month? That could be, it depends on the, the volume and the velocity of the business that's, that's coming in. So it could be anywhere from, again, five hours a month to 10 or 10 or 12. Okay. And at five and 10 hours a month, the company is now in a revenue stage. Yeah. And, um, and so now they need to report things. And you're, um, again, what you require from them then is all the stuff their bookkeeper does, right? Yeah. So you can see what's going on. And when you parse it out and send it back, what is it you're giving them insight into? What is the wisdom uh, yes. that I would receive, yeah. for example, as a CEO? Yeah. So one of the most important things you can do as an early stage CEO is to get better at forecasting. So one of the pieces of information that that comes out of that analysis that's so important is the variance analysis. Okay. So you want to see what did I expect for this month? What actually happened? And why did that difference occur? So that next month I can take account of that and make my forecast a little bit better and make that variance smaller. Got it. So, um, yeah, from an entrepreneurial viewpoint, what uh, what I see as the value there is then, as you say, it's what's the difference between what I thought was going to happen and mm-hmm. what actually did, and what can I do about it? Sometimes mm-hmm. that's adjusting your numbers, but sometimes it's about doing something different so that you actually reach those numbers, being exactly. just aware of what the heck happened. Okay, yep. so now we're at that kind of early revenue stage. What happens next? What's the next stage? Yes. And what will they need? And what will they see? So then we get into the really fun stuff. And, and the most, probably the most intensive needs period for founders is when they're heading into a capital raise cycle. 
Um, not only because they tend at that point to be gaining momentum in the business, the business is, is typically operating relatively smoothly. They have a repeatable and scalable process in place. So they're not only dealing with the business side of things and the reporting out, but they're also trying to prepare to communicate what they're doing with investors and typically mm -hmm. a new set and a more sophisticated set of investors. So my most intense sort of time-wise clients tend to be heading into those types of raises where we're not mm -hmm. only dealing with the business side of things, but we're sort of packaging things and communicating that understanding that we've acquired to the new stakeholders. Got it. Okay. And that so, can be a lot of fun. So that's, that's where the, oh, the yeah. gets, that's where the magic happens. <laughs> okay. So uh, about how many hours a month does that take? And again, that depends. That can be up to 20, 20, 25 hours a month, depending on, on mm -hmm. the horizon, depending on the size of the raise, depending on whether this is an existing client or a new client and whether we have to go back and do some, some workouts of existing data. Um, but those are by far the most intensive situations. Okay. So we need to take a break. This is fascinating. And we, I want to come back and have Carly give us some of her top tips for uh, making startups scalable and resilient. So this is CEO Coach, and we'll be right back. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the 2018 International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. Deadline for entries is May 31st, 2018. Go to www.webaward.org and sign up today. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy. We're talking with Carly Price today about what it means to work with a CFO at the different stages of business. So, Carly, before you uh, took a break there, I mean, Ann, you're just no fun breaking up the conversation here. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, uh, but we do need our sponsors to make sure that we are fiscally sound here. At CEO and and, and ringing the freaking cash register. A tip of the hat, yes. Good there you go. 
<laughs> That's right. And we are very grateful to them. So at the pre-revenue stage, we're looking at a couple of hours a month, just, if you will, getting the, the uh, boots on in understanding how the numbers work and what you can forecast and how that works. Secondly, you get to the early monetization stage of the company, about five hours a month, maybe 10 hours, who knows, but that's a good range. You are able to tell them what did you forecast and how did you do in that forecasting to help CEOs and their teams get better at that forecasting process. And then the third stage is the capital raise stage. So listeners, did you hear that? First pre-revenue, that's your ideas. Then there's early monetization. And then you go out for raising capital. It does not happen the other way around. <laughs> so far too often we hear it trying to happen the other way around and people are knocking their heads against the wall. So now as we get to the capital raise stage, you're looking at having the replicable, scalable processes already in place. And now the work that you do, Carly, is to prepare these uh, teams to communicate with a far more sophisticated group of investors. And yeah. that's where the fun stuff really happens. And that can be as much as 20 to 25 hours per month. So mm -hmm. now we have a sense, again, we're looking at about a half-time CFO. You can mm -hmm. see, folks, how this uh, grows with your company. So now, Carly, have at it. Tell us, what would be your top tips uh, for companies at any stage, but do tell us the stage of the company. What would you tell CEOs who are beginning their companies and don't really have this kind of service behind them? Right. So, so the first tip and the most important is don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, and this is true not only in the finance function, but across the space for a, for a founder. You cannot come with the entire skill set that you will need to be a success. There are plenty of resources. I'm a fractional CFO myself. There's fractional CMOs. You can outsource this work if you don't have the skill set and there's no shame in it. So the quality of the work you can you can outsource, the, the amount of difference it's going to make to your outcomes is, is truly remarkable. So don't be afraid to ask for help and don't be afraid to outsource things that you cannot master. That would be my first tip. Second Brilliant. tip is, yeah, second tip is to not be afraid of the bad news, especially when it comes to numbers. They're so definitive. They're so black and white that people tend to shrink back from them because there's no way to spin that type of, of data. Okay. So, but why is one, how she said, uh, you can't really say don't be afraid of the bad news. What does one do about it? Right. And when I say don't be afraid of it, quite often we lose folks that we're trying to pull into the, the data-heavy finance-heavy world. We'll lose them when the numbers look bad because they've got a story, a narrative they're telling that they prefer. And people will start to de-emphasize the numbers and start to believe that the next month will somehow magically be different and to ignore that trajectory mm -hmm. because, it's, because it doesn't tell them the story they want to hear. Okay, so what should one do instead? Exactly, exactly. So, so it's it's about truth. It's about the 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 absoluteness of numbers, and that's how they're your your best friend. So you want to rely on your numbers at the times when things look most dire. Okay, because um, therein lies the truth. Okay, uh, right. Okay, so even if it means close it up and try again, uh, yes. you want to know that as soon as humanly possible. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It's when you don't look at it that you lose a fortune. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. And uh, you have you got one more tip for us? 
One more tip. Uh, cadence. It's all about cadence. You have to have, mm. you have to know how often you want to look at your numbers. You want to have it uh, embedded in your workflow. So on a regular basis, look at your numbers. On a regular basis, update your numbers. On a regular basis, communicate what you know to your, your stakeholders. It's like anything else. Exercise. It's like um, calling your mother. If you make it a habit, it will stick. Got and it. there's nothing I love more than people who look forward to the day that they send out their reports because it's really, it's a delight. Okay. So um, I think that one's absolutely brilliant. So I'm going to recap those things. The first one is ask for help. You can't come to this job with the entire skill set you need to succeed. And uh, there is no shame in asking for help. There's only shame in not doing it because that is the hallmark of, you know, early death in your business. The second one is don't be afraid of the bad news when it comes to those numbers. Ignoring the trajectory is far more dangerous. You rely on those numbers because it can save you a fortune even if it means closing your business. But in general, it probably just means uh, knowing early what that you've got to change something. And you could save your business by seeing something that has a pattern of poor numbers. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then finally, cadence, a brilliant word. Uh, know how often you're going to look at those numbers, how often you should be looking at those numbers. Put it in your workflow. And like exercise or calling your mom, if you make it a <laughs> habit, it's going to stick. And that is one of the hallmarks of the highly successful companies, that they really do look the truth in the eye. And the truth is in those numbers. Wonderful. So, Couldn't have said it better myself. Hey, that's that's great. And Carly, it's been a real pleasure having you on CEO Coach. Unfortunately, our time is up. Um, thank you for joining us. Before we go, can you just uh, let our listeners know how to reach you? Sure. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Carly, C-A-R-L-E-E-J Price, P-R-I-C-E. You can find me on the interwebs at www.peakpiqefinancialworks.com. Uh, or you can email me, Carly, at peakpiqe.ventures. All right. That's it for this week at CEO Coach. We'd like to thank our producers at Webmaster Radio for their support. You can download these shows at webmasterradio.fm forward slash shows forward slash CEO dash coach. You can also download them at iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many other places around the web. You'll find links and more on our Facebook page, which is called uh, CEO Coach Podcast. Do stop by and hit the like button so we will know you were there and tell us what you'd like to hear about on CEO Coach. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and you can find out more about how we help companies to launch, grow, pivot, and thrive at outlinesventure.com. Till next time. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.